Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a multicultural podcast for our common good. I'm Marie Dahlstrom, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Rosemary Celaya Alston. Today, we continue our interviews with Latinx students from Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. They are all members of the powerful Mariposas Poderosas program of the WSU Undocumented Student Center. They are amazing leaders, and we really enjoyed talking to these students who share their hopes for the future of our country, their resilience, and the importance of emotional well-being, and, and so much more. Our guest today, Diana Rodriguez-Pena, is a first-year student at WSU, working to obtain a bachelor's degree in computer science. She is one of the students who is part of the Mariposas Poderosas program. Diana is also involved in a program called Coog's Lead. Coog's Lead is a leadership program at WSU that prepares students to become leaders. And of course, the WSU are the famous Cougars. Go Cougs! Diana hopes that she can use those leadership skills to help students from undocumented and Latinx communities find the resources they need to be successful at WSU. And I, and I would like to say that is such an important, uh, that's such important progress that a university like WSU has made. And I really want to hold up WSU as a model for other universities because all too often communities of color, students of color end up on campus and they find they are in the extreme minority and have um, maybe few support resources to count on. And WSU has changed that. Welcome, Diana. We're so happy to have you today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, would you please share a defining moment in your life? I think I have to say a defining moment in my life would be moving here to Pullman. Um, I remember coming here and there were so many emotions, but I distinctly remember being calm, like this is where I will belong. And I even told my roommate, um, coming here took away all my nerves, made me into a different person. I truly believe that something inside of me unlocked and that has um, grown more when I have met more people here. Um, I feel like now I know that by meeting more people and seeing their perspective in life has helped me understand why my voice is also important and why I have to share it and grow, grow as a person as well. That's pretty powerful, Diana. You had you you listened to your intuition. Your soul was telling you this was home for you even though you you it it was a new home for you that you felt safe is what we're hearing you say yeah um I mean yeah I still get homesick and I still want to go home to my family but I really feel like I belong here and this is a space for me to grow so tell us about Mariposas Poderosas and 
what it has meant to you um, in defining who you are at this point in your life. Yeah, in Mariposas Poderosas, we talk about a lot of different topics that relate to the undocumented student community. And what I really like about it is it makes me think about things I wouldn't usually think about. Um, it makes me try to understand why I feel a certain way and what I should do to not feel that way anymore, to feel more comfortable so that I can do well in school. Um, as a first gen student as well, I feel like this area, this space helps me meet new people. Um, we make connections here, we eat food, it's all fun. So tell us about being a first-gen student. I mean, that carries a lot of responsibility with it, right? Yeah, um, as a first-gen student, I really didn't know what coming to a university was or what it meant. Um, I knew I was going to be alone. I knew that I had to be independent, but I didn't know the mental health aspect to that. Um, you really need to find your people if you want to, I guess, survive here. Um, I've met a lot of people who don't go to the resources, don't meet other people, and they seem a little sad. They seem like their mental health needs a little work, but I'm trying to push everyone to come join Mariposas and other resources that can help them as well. I, I, I really wish I had had Mariposas. What about you, Rose, when you me, started school? Me too. Um, we, I mean, you go and you don't know even what to say or how to begin or where anything is. I mean, things are so hidden. I know that they're trying to do a better job at the universities now in terms of navigating, but, you know, it's still really hard and challenging. And so what I hear you say, Diana, is that um, Holman had a calmness. Can you describe that a little bit? What was about Pullman that you felt calm? Initially, it was just a feeling. And as I started um, getting involved here, coming to the undocumented center, meeting a whole bunch of people, we really just welcome everyone here. Um, I walk into a room and people are smiling at me, asking me about my day, um, asking me if I'm going to go to this event that's happening. Um, everything like that really makes me feel like I'm part of a family here. They're not just friends. Mm. I truly believe that we're family. Amelia, that's great. So what can families do to help support the emotional well-being of their children? This has been a big topic for us on this podcast because, you know, we have seen in our own families the challenging times of what depression and anxiety have, has done to our, our young population, um, our both Maria and I have spoken about our, our parents and our grandparents. They're basically, you know, get over it. What, you know, you got to move on in life. Well, sometimes that's not enough. 
can you can you provide what kind of support children need? Yeah, um, well, with Latinx families, you really don't talk about mental health. So you don't know. I didn't know what it meant, what my mental health meant. So I really encourage families to at least talk about why mental health is important. Bring it up in conversations. Make your home an area and space where children feel like they can talk about their mental health without being judged, without being discouraged. They want to be heard. They want to be able to talk about these things with their parents, but they're just scared to bring up the topic because it's never been a topic that we bring up. Right. I I know that there are many topics oftentimes around our tables. If our tables could only talk to us, right, in terms of what we all need to hear. And one of the things that was very clear from what your colleague said to us today is just to be able to listen without judging, basically, and um, not necessarily giving an advice, but listening to what is being said. Would so, you agree? You know, uh, I, uh, what I, I wanted to say is um, it is really hard to, to do exactly what Rosemary asked is the issue of creating, you know, an environment where you can listen. And Diana, you've spoken about that. Um, did that happen for you and your family? Um, with my family, I guess we still don't talk about mental health. And um, I'm starting to slowly introduce it to my mom, like, oh, talking about mariposas, how I enjoy talking about my feelings and my mental health, or even bring it up to her, like, oh, maybe I should go to therapy, maybe I should focus on my mental health. But as of right now, my family still doesn't understand the importance of mental health. I do have to say that my mom, my mother is 101 years old, and she will tell everybody that listens that I'm a psychologist, and she still doesn't really know what I do. And so, you know, she supports me and loves me and has been done everything she can to make sure that I have the education that I needed. But it's it's too cute, because, um, you know, she saw her role, and it still is at 101, to be the cheerleader for her children children, but not too sure what we do for a living. I, I, I think those, those things are still out there, even though our parents and our grandparents are, are becoming a little bit more in to, you know, listening to some different kinds of things uh, around emotional health. And we spoke a lot this morning, Deanna, about you know, we can't separate our hearts and our souls from uh, other parts of our organs and our body. And that once we begin helping families understand that this is overall health and that there is a spiritual connection to that as well, then I think people will be more open and more flexible to listening to topics that are very, very hard to listen to. You know, especially if families have really struggled within themselves to um, come to terms with different memories that they have 
So for them, it's easier not to talk and just to move forward and move forward and move forward. And for us and our generation as well, Marie, it really was about, no, this doesn't feel right. And I'm not going to move forward until I, I can come to terms with some things. And I think, Deanna, that your generation, um, um, can I say Gen Z, is that the generation that you consider yourself part of? Yeah, Gen Z. Gen Z. I think you are even more articulate and insistent that our age listens to you. Um, uh, You know, we were forming the words um, as, you know, when Rosemary and I were younger and, and learned about these issues of mental health. But you are also articulate and talk about the issues. And, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's very impressive and is inspirational because I'm sure you had that before you came to WSU and, and Mariposas. But I would imagine that Mariposas have strengthened it for you. And it has helped you voice that with other um, members of, you know, who have become your familia. What are some of the, would you say, could you just before, um, I know Rosemary has another question for you, but could you um, share with us, what do you feel are some unique and special emotional well-being issues, mental health issues that undocumented students face? I feel like undocumented students push all their feelings down because they know they have a cause or a reason to be here. Um, So the mental health aspect of that is depression, anxiety, um, the wantingness of not not wanting to focus on their self, but instead focus on their families and put them first before their own health mentally and physically. So I think that if undocumented students could see the importance of mental health, that would help them and their family as well. And that's such a a sometimes challenging thing for generations to come to terms with. I mean, I remember a time never knowing the word no, right? Saying no to my mom or my dad about something that didn't make me feel good. Or, um, And so as the generations are passing, I'm seeing, you know, my, my adult children are very vocal. <laughs> they let me know when I'm not <laughs> on the same page real quick. <laughs> In a nice way, but, you know, like, mom, you just aren't with it. And, you know, that's not where we're at. And you need to view emotional health in in a different kind of way. And we're not all made out from the same cookie cutter like you kind of thing. So I just think that, you know, what you're sharing is that sometimes these tables are hard to come around and talk with or our living rooms or wherever that safe place is. And if we can engage one person in our family to help us sometimes, that might be more helpful. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's like, it's like talking about another subject that nobody talks about, and that's sexuality. 
and how that sometimes it bumps, bumps up against emotional health. So thank you for, for sharing that. What other issues are taking place in our country right now that are priorities for you? I mean, that's a big question and you could really narrow it down to however you want, but what's a, what is a, say maybe your top two, top three priorities that are facing this country and you? Um, I think the uncertainty of DACA is one of them. Um, when you think about it, a lot, there's a lot of workers who have DACA status, and that makes up essential workers, um, teachers, engineers, and so many more different professions. And what people don't ask or don't realize is what would happen if suddenly one day all those jobs that these DACA recipients um, hold were just open, like there was no one to do those jobs. Um, everyone would be affected, not just DACA recipients and their families, because thousands of jobs would suddenly be available and that some people might think that's a good thing, but it really isn't because it would take years to replace the thousands of DACA workers. And it also takes a lot of years to become specific um, specialties like doctors and lawyers, they go to school for many years. You can't just replace them in a second or in a year even. It's gonna take a while and the economy will fall. And that's what really hits me the most is also that these people want to work. They They're here because they want to have a family, they want to work. And some people don't understand them and they just want to push them out. So the uncertainty of DACA is something that really hits home for me. I totally agree. And, you know, we are not aware on a, on a daily basis, oftentimes, you know, the privileges that's some of our children and grandchildren have for uh, not having to face this one challenge. And it's a huge one. It impacts everybody. And the fear around it and the isolation of not knowing how big this could be and how much it could change the lives of others is, is critical. It's just critical. And we need you. We need your leadership. We also need your voices. And what's been really nice today to hear from all of you is that you're still moving strong and on top of each other um, in terms of when one is stronger than the other, you, you're all coming together and how powerful your stories are. Marie? Thank you, Deanna, for being with us today. Thank you for the, the leader that you are. And um, we're excited to stay in, in contact with you and Mariposas. And uh, um, you, you've really, um, it, it's been important what you've shared with us today. It, it has made a difference for people to know um, about the leaders that you are, the wonderful, amazing people you are. Thank you. Do you have any other additional thing you'd like to add, Diana? Um, I just want to tell the listeners that 
your voice does matter and the actions that you take will affect people's lives around you. So make sure you listen to everyone around you and make good decisions on who and what you're talking about. Thank you, Diana. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Familias en Acción, located in Portland, Oregon. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify. We look forward to having with, with you next time on Abuelas en Acción. Gracias.